Well, good morning. It is great to be with you this morning. It's always an honor to stand up here and share the word of God with you. And you know what's happening right now in the world? March Madness. Yes. I mean, come, I mean, there's a lot of other things happening in this world, but March Madness. I love watching some college basketball. Anyone with me in this room? Maybe a few. Yeah, and UT is, I know, heartbreaking. Kentucky, I'm sorry. I mean, it's just been madness, that is for sure. But one fascinating thing about sports, not just basketball, but really any kind of sporting event, uh, college, uh, football, NFL, hockey, soccer, any of those things, there's one interesting thing, and it's how a crowd can impact a game, right? How the crowd, the volume, the excitement of how that can impact the outcome of a game. You know, it's interesting, last year I got to go to a playoff game of hockey for the Predators, and it was so, so loud in that room. Now, it didn't work that day, we lost, but you know, you win some, you lose some. But then I was researching this a little bit to see how a crowd can impact the outcome of a game, and I learned that the Seattle Seahawks they hold the record for the loudest stadium. Um, they came in at 136 decibels, which if you don't know, that's really loud. Like 130 decibels is how loud a jet is when it takes off. Like, I mean, loud, loud. Like it can hurt your ears kind of loud. I was looking at a story in 2011, uh, the Detroit Lions were able to um, play a Monday night football game. It was the first time in nine years that they had played a Monday night football game. They were 4-0. and They were excited. Their fans were excited. And their fans came into that game and were extremely loud, louder than normal, more excited than normal. Man, and that made the team excited, of course, but it did one thing to the away team. They were playing the Chicago Bears and it caused the Bears to be distracted, right? The noise in that stadium caused them to be distracted and really caused them to lose that game. See, they had nine false starts. That's a lot, if you don't know, like nine false starts throughout that game, and they end up losing that game 24 to 14. So here we are, this crowd, this loud voice is impacting and distracting the team. Now, I want you to think about this a little bit in our own lives. Today, we are opening up, we're continuing our series in the book of Ephesians. And there's one thing we need to realize as we open up to this passage today, is that there is a crowd in this world that is vying for our attention, that is trying to distract us away from living a wise life following after Jesus. It's out there in everything, in the media, in everything we watch, in entertainment, in social media, in the internet, in our friends, in our community. And it can even be distracting within the church where we get misplaced ambitions and misplaced ideas even inside of the church. And so one thing we have to do is we have to make sure we are looking for wisdom 
in the right place. And so today we're gonna be in Ephesians chapter five, verses 15 to 17. If you wanna go ahead and open up to there, the verses are gonna be on the screen. You can open up in your Bible and follow along with me. And it says this, pay careful attention then to how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of time because the days are evil. So don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Let me pray for us. Dear Lord, I thank you for your word that you have given us this morning. I pray that you continue to move in our spirits as I have felt your spirit here this morning as we worship you. Let that continue on as we open up your word and guide us towards you. Strengthen our faith in you, Lord, and help us to live wisely for you. It's your name we pray, amen. All right, so this passage, it starts off with these first four words, pay careful attention then. Pay careful attention then. So what these four words are referring to is the previous passage that we have studied over the last couple of weeks that Pastor Jeff has been talking about. And in those passages, it speaks towards this idea of light versus dark. There's some comparisons that take place. And then it continues on light versus dark and unfruitful versus fruitful. It talks about how Jesus is the light. He's the one that can overcome the darkness. And as followers of Jesus, we are called to be the light that comes in and has fruitful works that overcome the darkness in the world. So to walk in the light and to be the light, we must seek the Lord and be vigilant and attentive of our own actions. And so then it goes right into this passage based on this information that we have learned in verses six to 14, Paul challenges the Ephesian church and all of the followers of Jesus, including us today, to pay careful attention then to how you walk, not as unwise but as wise. The title of today's message is simply this, walking in wisdom, walking in wisdom. And as we dive into this passage, there are going to be three ways that I think we can walk in wisdom that we learn from this passage. The first being this, to walk in wisdom, we must first recognize where wisdom originates, where wisdom Originates. Verse 17 of this passage says this, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. So this is another comparison. We see over and over in chapter five of Ephesians, these different comparisons that Paul is giving. And he gives another comparison here in uh, verse 17 that he also gives in verse 15. So in 17, he says, don't be foolish, but follow the will of the Lord, Right? Foolishness and the will of the Lord. This is the comparison that's happening right here. But two verses right before this, he says, not as unwise, but as wise. So there's this comparison, unwise and wise. Well, an unwise person, we would consider a foolish person, right? Well, so we see the comparison below of the foolish person. The opposite, the counter of the foolish person is the one that walks in the will of the Lord. That is the wise person. 
So to walk in wisdom, we must realize that wisdom does not come from our own human ability. It doesn't come from our own human strength or our own human mind or our own human will. It doesn't come from anything that we can conjure up ourselves. It only comes from the will of God. That is where we find wisdom. If we're searching for wisdom anywhere else, within ourselves or within this world other than God, we are not truly finding wisdom. So as we continue here, we see this truth over and over and over all throughout the Bible. I'm gonna share with you a handful of verses that speak to this truth. Proverbs 2, 6 says this, for the Lord gives wisdom, the Lord gives it, only comes from him. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. Proverbs 4.11 says this, I'm teaching you the way of wisdom. I'm guiding you on straight paths. Then earlier in Ephesians, in chapter one, verse 17, Paul says this, I pray that the, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious father, would give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Man, then one of my favorites of all of these is at the end of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter seven, verses 24 to 27. And it's at the end of a time where Jesus spent an extended amount of time sharing how to live for the kingdom of God in this world. And he says this, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them, lives them out, will be like the wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew and pounded that house, yet it didn't collapse. Its foundation was on the rock, but everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them will be like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew and pounded that house and it collapsed. Its collapse was great. You hear that? Man, wisdom only from the Lord. If we build our foundation on the rock that is Jesus Christ and his salvation in our lives and his teaching in our lives and act them out, we will be like the wise man. But living counter to that, we are like the foolish man. And then continues on. I have a a few more verses to share for you. And there's a common theme I love in these verses. It says this, the fear, this is Proverbs 1, 7. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and discipline. Proverbs 9, 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. And then Psalms 111.10, again, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his instructions have good insight. His praise endures forever. As we see these passages, it's obvious in scripture that the wisdom we wish to have in our lives of how to live our daily lives only comes from God. These last three verses that are shared, there's a common phrasing in there, the fear of the Lord. It's an interesting phrasing. For us, it's hard to understand exactly what that means because when we think of fear, we think of um, being afraid, like a, a feeling of uneasiness or unsteadiness of being scared of something. Like I have a fear of spiders or I have a fear of the dark. 
right? It's this uneasy feeling. But when we see the fear of the Lord in the scripture, that is not what that means. It doesn't mean that we're afraid or scared or uneasy towards God. It's something very different. The fear of the Lord is not in reference to being scared of God, but rather being in awe and having a full respect for God. The fear of the Lord refers to the specific sense of respect towards God, all of who he is and submission to following him. Living in the fear of the Lord is actually what guided the early church. Listen to this, Acts chapter nine, verse 31. It says this, so the church throughout all Judea, Judea, Galilee and Samaria had peace and was strengthened living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. The fear of the the Lord is what encouraged the church and guided the early church to grow and to expand. So it's this sense of being in awe and respect towards God. You know, um, our son now, Gracie and I's son is five. And I remember when we were about to have Callum, there's a phrase that people always would say, and maybe if you've had children, you've probably heard this phrase before. As you tell people, oh, we're having a baby, we're so excited. They say, you know, it'll change your life, right? I mean, that's what everyone says, it'll change your life. And before you have your child, you understand that phrase a little bit in a sense of, I mean, yes, it's going to change my life. Things will be different. The rhythm of my life will be different. I might not get as much sleep. You know, all of those things, you know, going into it, but you don't fully understand what that phrase means until you're holding a baby in your arms, right? And I remember sitting in the hospital holding Callum and thinking about that phrase, it'll change your life. And looking at him, and at that moment realizing what that means. It doesn't just mean the rhythm of your life changes, but the way you think about life changes. Like every part, it brings you into this moment of, you could say fear, but not like scared fear, but like in awe, that God has given you this baby. And now you have this responsibility and all of these things that come with it, this care that overflows and that it changes the way you think and changes the way you act. And when we look at this, the fear of the Lord is like that. When we fear the Lord, we're in awe of who he is and what he's done of his might and his power. We're in awe of all of the things that we have sung about this morning, that he has never once left us alone, that there is no one like him, that there's 10,000 reasons to sing about him. That brings us into the fear of the Lord. And when we posture ourselves in that, When that becomes our focus, when we realize that, it changes the way we think about everything. And that is what guides us into the wisdom of God. That is what guides us into true wisdom. It starts and originates solely in God. 
So as we continue, the second thing that we discover is to walk in wisdom, we must live consistently. So first off, we must recognize that wisdom only comes from God and that should lead us to live consistently. In reference to this passage, one commentary writer said this, that a Christian sees life steadily and he is whole and therefore not erratic. He also said, the great characteristic of a Christian is to be consistent. In the Christian Standard Bible, even in the heading for this passage, it is consistency in the Christian life. Now to understand how to live consistently, we also have to look at what it says about the counter. So to live wise means to live consistently in the fear of the Lord. To live foolishly is to be tossed and turned by the ever-changing world around us. And we must recognize that our tendency as humans is to live foolishly. That's our tendency. That's where we lean. That's where we're drawn to do things on our own based on our own human abilities or based on what's happening in this world and to be tossed by the winds and the wave of the world. Our tendency is to live in this foolish way. And Paul is obviously challenging the Ephesian church in this idea because there's probably some people living foolishly in the church, right? He's trying to guide them. We're not alone in this. This is everyone's All humans have this problem. We tend to live outside of God's will. This is called sin and this is foolish living. In Ephesians chapter four, verse 13 and 15, it says, then we will no longer be little children. That's when we're living in the Lord, tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness and the techniques of Deceit. Ephesians 5, 6 also carries on the same thing. Let no one deceive you with empty arguments. In culture, in the world, this could maybe oftentimes be referred to as like a groupthink or crowd mentality. You might see this when you go to an amusement park or to a sporting event or to the airport and there's all of these lines to enter in through security or whatever it may be. And usually as people follow the crowd, there's like these center lines that become longer and the lines on the side are not as long because everyone's just kind of going along with what's happening in the crowd, right? They're just going along with it. And in the same way, for us, we can easily just go along and be tossed about by what's happening in the world around us rather than living consistently and wisely in him. We must recognize our tendency is to follow the world rather than follow the Lord. We are foolish I mean, that's a humble place to be. And to truly follow God into his wisdom, we must recognize our foolishness. We tend to follow our own deceitful hearts. And we can even sometimes say it's from the Lord and it looks nothing like the Lord. 
we need to recognize that the reason the world is evil, as this passage says in chapter 16, is not just because of all the people outside of this place, but it's also because of all the people inside of this room. We are sinful to our core. And the only way out of that is Jesus. Some of you might even be thinking right now, you tell them, people need to hear this. Come on, yeah, get them. And if you're thinking that, I mean, this might be something you need to recognize in your own life, right? The reality is this is something we all in this room need to evaluate in our life. Crowd mentality, groupthink does not just happen in the world around us, but it can happen in the church. We can be tossed around by the winds and the waves of this world and let that direct our lives rather than letting the Lord direct our lives. Paul is calling us to trust in his, the steadiness of the Lord, not in the unsteady wavering of the world and the unsteady, waver, unsteady wavering of our, even our own hearts. Psalms 112 gives us a perfect example of what it looks like to consistently live in the wisdom of the Lord. This is 10 verses, so stay with me here. It says this, hallelujah, happy is the person who fears the Lord. So this is another time where we see the fear of the Lord, taking great delight in his commands. His descendants will be powerful in the land. The generations of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in his house and his righteousness endures forever. Light shines in the darkness. Sounds a little bit like Ephesians chapter five, right? Light shines in the darkness for the upright. He is gracious, compassionate, and righteous. Good will come to the one who lends generously and conducts his business fairly. He will never be shaken. The righteous one will be remembered forever. He will not fear bad news. Now, this is a different form of fear. This is not the fear of the Lord. This is the unsteadiness of the world around us, being scared of something. He will not fear bad news. His heart is confident, trusting in the Lord. His heart is assured. He will not fear. In the end, he will look and triumph on his foes. He distributes freely to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn will be exalted in honor. The wicked one will see it and be angry. He will gnash his teeth in despair. The desire of the wicked leads to ruin. The one who walks in wisdom does not waver from doing what is right. He lives consistently in the Lord no matter what is happening around him. No matter what is happening around us, to walk in wisdom, we must live consistently with the Lord and what he tells us. The third thing we see in this passage is to walk in wisdom, we must start today. We must start today. In verse 16, it says, making the most of time because the days are Evil. So walk as wise, not, an un, not as unwise, making the most of time because the days are 
evil. Some versions of this say redeeming the time back. And Paul is basically saying instead of wasting our time or throwing our time away, we need to redeem it. We need to gain back our time, not waste it on things that aren't important, not waste it on things that are not of God, but redeem it by living out the wisdom of the Lord. You see, wisdom is ultimately the right knowledge of God. So knowing who he is, that's the fear of God, but then also the resolve to use that knowledge for righteousness, right? The resolve to actually live that out. You know, over the years, I've had um, the blessing, or you might could say the curse of putting together a good amount of Ikea furniture, any, anyone done that before? I mean, we, we have a good amount of Ikea furniture in our house. And, you know, at one time, I might have called myself handy, um, but I've been humbled enough to not do that anymore, and mainly by Ikea furniture. I mean, you just never know what you're going to get. And so I remember one time getting a piece of furniture. I think it was uh, like a chest of drawers and... I decided, you know, I'm just going to open the box and just start putting it together, right? Like, how hard can it be? Like, the, I mean, it's just some drawers. It shouldn't be hard. The pieces just, should just fit together and you'll end up with your, with your thing. I mean, it's easy. And so you know how that goes, right? You get started and you start putting the pieces together and you're like, oh, this is looking good. This is coming together. And you get about halfway through and you realize, what about this piece? I'm not really sure where this one should go, I guess I'll look at the instructions and see. And so then you look at the instructions and you realize something. You did it all wrong, every bit of it. And so then what you have to do is you have to pull it all apart. You have to take all the pieces apart and start over doing it the right way, right? And all you did was just waste a bunch of time and get frustrated. Now think about this. In our own lives, we tend to try and guide our lives on our own without the Lord. And that simply is a waste of time. It doesn't work. The pieces will not come together right when we are living outside of the will of God. You see, when we try and piece it together based on our own knowledge, oh, we've been successful, we've done well, we've worked hard, we've gone to school, we've got this great job and this family, and all these things, it's coming together. When we try and piece all of that together on our own, what happens is that will eventually break. It will not stay together. It will not hold firm because it's not built on the rock, the foundation of the Lord, like the wise man. You know, if we start with ourselves, what happens is we waste a lot of time on things that don't matter. And so today, what I want to simply give you is some things you can do to start to walk in wisdom today. So we've discovered over this passage as, as we've dove into it, that to walk in wisdom, we must recognize where wisdom 
originate. It originates with God and God alone. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, being in awe and respect of him and submission to him. And then we discover out of that, we must live a consistent life in the Lord not being tossed by the waves of this world around us, but being consistent in what God calls us to do. We see that in Psalms 112. We see that in the Sermon on the Mount. And then we see that we must start doing this today. So three simple things that you can do to start to walk in wisdom today. One is remove the distractions. Remove the distractions. What is pulling you away from the Lord? What is intercepting your joy, your peace, your comfort? What is tossing you around in the winds and the waves of this world? What is distracting you? Whatever that may be, take it out. Remove it. Man, if you find that getting on Facebook or Instagram or social media or watching the news is tossing you with the winds and the waves of this world, you might need to take a little break and focus on the Lord. I'm not saying stick your head in the sand And be ignorant to what's happening, but I am saying, let this be your guide, not that. Maybe there's something else. Maybe your own ambition is distracting you from following the Lord. Maybe you need to remove a little bit of that and change that and realize that your ambition should be for the Lord, not for your own glory. Right, we could go on and on and I would assume in this room, each of you have something that has come to your mind that is distracting you from living and walking in wisdom. And my challenge to you is to first remove that. And then the second part of this is to make God the loudest voice in your life. Right, so remove the distractions, make God the loudest voice in your life. This is simple. It's not a hard thing to do, but we all struggle to do it for some reason. We need to spend time in his word, the word of God, the Bible that he has given us. We need to spend time with his people in the church, in community together, building each other and building one another up and encouraging each other. And then we need to spend time with him in prayer. We need to talk to God and give our lives to him in prayer and ask him to move. Prayer is really a a posture of trust. It's coming to God and saying, I trust you, I'm giving this to you. So remove distractions, make God the loudest voice in your life by spending time in his word, spending time with his people, spending time with him in prayer. And then lastly, as you do this, pattern your life after Jesus. Pattern your life after Jesus. A good place to start if you're wondering how to do that is the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter five to chapter seven. Go and read that. It's Jesus's words sharing about how to live for the kingdom of God in this world today. 
start there because of the end of that. That's where he says, if you build your life on these words, on what I have told you, then you will build your life on the rock. So pattern your life after Jesus. I encourage you to live like the wise man, building your life on the rock. The winds and the waves of this life that we face today, where as this passage says, the days are evil. The days are evil. There's a lot of darkness in this world. It's hard to be a Christian in this world right now. When you build your life on the rock, on the wisdom of God, then the winds and the waves will crash upon us, but the foundation will stand forever. Let me pray for us. Dear Lord, I thank you for your word that you've given us today. I pray that you guide us to live in your wisdom. Lord, help us today to to take a new posture towards you in awe and respect. And as scripture says, in fear of the Lord for you so that we can find wisdom to live in this world. Lord, guide us to remove the distractions that we are facing that toss us about. And help us to live like you, Jesus. Lord, just as happened in Acts chapter nine, when the church lived in the fear of the Lord, they grew and they multiplied, Lord, and we pray that happens in this church. Help us to live in the fear of the Lord today. And Lord, bring new people towards you through that. Help us be the light in the darkness Help us live fruitfully, not unfruitfully. Help us to live wise, not unwise. Help us to live in your will, not foolishly, Lord. Help us to make you the guide in all of those things. It's your name we pray, amen.